Murray. <laughs> so he's been recording this this whole time. I, well, it's kind of good because like if there's something really funny leading in, I want to leave leave it in there. It's it's phenomenal. I That's mean, true. I also want Aaron to explain the Streisand effect right now. She's getting there. We need to do the rest of the intro first. Oh. Or do we want to? I, I don't care if you really want me to explain it as the intro. Like I don't. That's care. what I was thinking. Okay. But I'm okay. not in charge here. So fun. So the Streisand effect because you didn't you asked me about that in the other room. So. It's basically the effect of suppressing information or um, or trying to suppress information mm -hmm. or art or films or literature or whatever. And because you've suppressed it, it has the opposite effect of what you want it to happen. So like instead of it um. not ha like not gaining attention mm -hmm. because you've suppressed it and you say, you can't do this. Mm -hmm. Then everyone turns around and goes, well, what's the big deal? And then turns around and does the exact opposite of what you want. So that's pretty much what the Catholic Church does to every book that comes out. And the reason, yeah. Or it's a bit like trying to smother Barbara Streisand's <laughs> dynamic voice and only discovering that... That she can sing louder. <laughs> exactly. So the name of the Streisand effect actually comes from the fact that in like 2003 there was this photographer and he was photographing the California beach coast Yeah. in a way to document beach erosion in California to like go to the politicians and like kind of like advocate for environmental yeah. issues. And one of the photos he took had her house in it. And she didn't want the fact that there was a photo of her house on the internet and she didn't want it and so she tried to take the guy to court and at the time that he had posted it back in like 2003 there were six downloads on this image of her house and it was like him like a couple of the lobby like environmental scientists who were helping him mm -hmm. Barbara Streisand's lawyers of course and that was it like those were the only six people who had downloaded this image and by the time that she came out and said, like, you took an image of my house. Get rid of it. How dare you do this to me? I'm going to sue you for $50 million because that's how much the lawsuit was. They turned around and it had been downloaded afterwards 400,000, no, 420,000 times after this all came out. And this was like an, a year later. And so the lawsuit got dismissed and she had to pay for the photographer's legal fees in response. And then a year later after that, in 2005, that's when the term the Streisand effect became coined because hmm. <laughs> it became a thing. <clears throat> I think that's definitely before people figured out how the uh, internet yeah. Yeah. does things. Yes. But like, the internet it's is been one around. giant Streisand effect. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but like this phrase, like it's only coined in like maybe like fifteen or so years ago ish. Mm -hmm. But like it's been around for so much longer than that, and it really relates to like the whole band of books thing, which I'll explain. Like, which I finally get there. People can but... kind of extrapolate and get to, but that's brilliant. And well, what this you know, the theme? Yeah. yeah, about how the Streisand effect relates to band books. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that I've we can't explain. Never it, but been like, happier that Barbara Streisand was a, is a celebrity. Th this is why. You have weird standards. <laughs> I do. <laughs> do you ruminate on her celebrity quite often? Or? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> you have a shrine in your home. <laughs> she the was... Streisand shrine, the Toni Morrison shrine. I've, oh God. 
No, if anybody has a Dorvis Dryad. The blasphemy of those two things in such close proximity to one another is just too much for me. If anyone has a Dorvis Dryad shrine in their home, it would be Rachel Berry. Fair and true. I have a Rachel Berry shrine in my home. <laughs> Therefore, you have a Dorvis Dryad shrine. There aren't enough swear words for this. This is a work-sponsored podcast. <laughs> I wonder if this episode would be the episode to deploy some swear words to test out our <laughs> sensor noises on account of the theme. Or It's uh, just the opening know. notes that don't rain on my parade. Okay. <laughs> episode four is upon us! <sighs> By the way, you have heard the voice of Grant Jesse, a.k.a. The Ish, in semi-bookish. He is back with us today. Welcome back, Grant. Thank you very much. And uh, I'll, I'll just come right come right out and say that I accept the title of the ish. Yes. Superb. And I'll uh, I'll try to do everything to uphold the you know the the, the noble uh, just everything that goes along with such a title. So. If, no, 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 that's me. Yes. <laughs> If anything happens, like legal teams come down on us and say, you can't use semi-bookish, I'd be like, we are the Knights of Ish. <laughs> oh. Lord Ish over to our oh, corner here. <laughs> but, uh, Wait, does this mean Grant's the leader of the surf too? <laughs> yeah, yes. I mean, yes. If we, if we want to get into the feudal system and everything, have we, then we can. Have we, have we granted him that title? Ooh. Well, yeah. Astral projection number one. Whoa. Listen, I haven't astral projected yet. I'm just waiting for my opportunity. No, that's so right. maybe, maybe today's the day. Today's the day. Okay, just in case you didn't notice, um, we're talking a little bit about censorship and things like that, which it is not about Barbara Streisand. <coughs> not all roads lead to Barbara Streisand. <laughs> what this is about is banned books, banned and challenge books, because next week, uh, September 27th through October 3rd is Banned Books Week, as designated by the ALAOIF, that's the American Library Association, Office for Intellectual Freedom. Google them. They're incredible. They are frontline warriors in the fight against Barbara Streisanding things. Um, <laughs> I don't think that's going to catch on. just sort of J.K. rolling along with it. Ouch. Yeah, I, I have I had now astral projected out of the room. Anthony is the only person left. We all, whoop. We're all gone. Um, <laughs> get it in early. You guys are awesome, though, ALA. Well, sometimes you guys are awesome. But Ouch. There, I said it. Can't pull that one back. There goes our um, sponsorship. Anyways, let's do the usual roll call. Announce hey. yourself and regale us as to that which you are listening, watching, reading, or playing, or crocheting, or knitting, whatever the heck you're doing in your spare time. Hopefully it's of a stronger narrative consumption, but you know, let's go. Let's start with the ish. I was gonna say, should we, oh. yeah. Hi, Lord Ish, <laughs> Dr. Claire. I don't know, but um, so as far as reading goes, I've been, I'm currently reading a few things. Um, I'm reading Mean Deviation, Four Decades of Progressive Heavy Metal by, uh, what is this guy's name? The title I can't, is I can't, a mouthful. I can't, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, if I think of his name, I'll say it. But um, if Ooh, you're... No podcast, no contest. <laughs> um, really, whether or not if you're a, a fan of heavy metal or not, um, it's... It, 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 Jeff it, Wagner. Jeff Wagner, yes. You're welcome. Who, who also has a pretty good uh, podcast called... Uh, radical research on um, 
kind of experimental music and whatnot. Um, it's pretty interesting. Um, but this book, it kind of tracks how a lot of heavy metal bands starting in the 80s kind of continued the work that began with the progressive bands of the 70s, like King Crimson and Yes and all that, mm. kind of pushing the boundaries of what kind of heavier music can do. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I could talk about, that's, that's kind of one of my pet subjects, I guess. I could, I could talk about um, bands like uh, Dream Theater or something for... Speaking of Dream Theater, there's, there's almost no reason to listen to them in a world where Fate's Warning exists, but that's that's so far away from this podcast that... You know, actually, for probably the past minute, I really kind of, like, I not quite projected out of my body, but I was just totally thinking, already with the Lord Ish thing, the Knights of the Ish, I was imagining you in this massive suit of armor, and... Thinking about you and heavy metal, I mean, long hair, I, I know you're a little, you know, but I can totally imagine you just wailing away on a guitar in a suit of armor. The Knights of the Ish is our new heavy metal band name. So we're going to the Renaissance Fair next year? Yes, True. if they have it. Please. Damn Please 2020. God. Please, God. And thank you for bringing up uh, elegant capes and everything, because that brings to mind, um, uh, what's his face? Uh, Keith Emerson from Yes, who uh, during all of their live shows would wear a humongous flowing cape as he played the electric oh, keyboard and everything. And I love it. I support it. I yeah, apparently, it so I need much. to research more into heavy metal because I am like. <laughs> I'm a big fan of man. She while. just ejected her soul. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. I, I have a soul. <laughs> Presumably. She is a redhead. And the other book that I'm reading is um, I just started reading uh, Children of Dune, which is the third book in the Dune series, mm -hmm. um, which I'm, I'm really enjoying. I know uh, Anthony <laughs> just started his journey into My the... turn next. <laughs> Tell me, Anthony, what do you know of the spice? What do you know of the intricacies of the Space Guild? Uh, I don't yet. I just have met Paul Atreides's team of people, and we have yet to leave for Arrakis. That's how early on I am in my read of Dune. Um, Paul is very interesting, so I'm curious to see where we go with him. Because I'm curious to see whether it's predictable or not. I suspect it won't be, but I'm not entirely certain. Um, the remaining characters are as flat as white bread, and that's a struggle. But the sentences are really pretty, so I'm okay with that. I'm really amped. Is amped the right word? I don't really know. I'm intrigued to see what follows from this because, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a veritable classic and I seem to be reading those this year, so. Is it all you're reading? No, I'm also listening to Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller, which I have read mm. twice before, and I, I just need an Achilles and Patroclus fix all the time, so I'm listening to it, and it's, I really like the narrator, he mm -hmm. somehow manages to combine the vocal stylings of one Mr. Darcy and Chris Hemsworth's Thor mm. as his Achilles voice, which... Are we talking a specific Mr. Darcy, or like yes, just what you imagine? Specifically, okay. um, the Kiara Knightley version so okay. of 2004, Mr. Darcy. I think? Yeah, that guy. Don't ask me how those two accents blend, but he manages to blend them. I in. could see and it. And as far as Thor is concerned, are we talking pre-Taika Waititi Thor? Preferably? Yeah, preferably? like the the, the the good Thor. Yeah, yeah the okay. deep voice. Like, it, don't get into this again. We don't have time for this. 
Another episode. Please do another episode about the, the Thor thing. Thor. That Thor. Well, you want him to drop the hammer? Well, he's. I mean, he's going to be Achilles. Yeah, all day long. Right, right, right. Anyway. <laughs> oh, I guess I was. I just got finished uh, plowing through the Aragon, uh, the Inheritance Cycle by Christopher Paolini, and even picked up because I wasn't ready to leave the lands of uh, Allegasia, uh, the fork. Yeah, right. I struggle over it. Like I feel like it's some weird pain <laughs> aesthetic thing whenever I try to say it normally. But uh, the fork, the witch, and the worm. Uh, the second chapter of which are told from Angela the Herbalist in uh, Aragon was written by Christopher Paolini's sister, Angela, who is the namesake for the character. Um, and it was it was a good little sampling of, you know, a world I want to get back into. Christopher, baby, write more. No, gonna... no please don't. You're done. We're, we're done with it. I'm sorry. Just, <laughs> I, I love those books, but no. I wonder if we could, like, please if, don't. If we, if you stab someone on a podcast, do they hear? No, they have to. Tag him in the episode and see what he says. No more Lucas. No more Lucas rolling our worlds, please. Someone stop dabbling in your original creations that made you famous, so that we can appreciate you for longer. But like, I want more Shadowhunters books for the rest of time. Yes, yeah. but that's because she's dedicated to doing that. She's not dabbling because she. Got famous. She's redabbling because she's always wanted. Sometimes you need books. to take a break from a series. And they haven't wanted to go back to their original worlds. They shouldn't. Damn, Gina. <laughs> we we have evidence <laughs> as to why they should not. <laughs> I am also slowly finishing up Elantris, which I started forever ago, but I put aside for a brief minute or two because, again, I had to plow through the um, Aragon series. Uh, on my nightstand currently is the Turnaway Study. Ten years, a thousand women, and the consequences of having or being denied an abortion. Ooh. Oh! Um, that sounds interesting. Someone else was reading it, and they kept on looking up and saying, listen to this BS, and they'd go off and for a minute, I'm like, I need to read this. Like, I might need to go back into like a fantasy fiction binge afterwards. <laughs> I'm still, yeah, I still feel emotionally intellectually wounded Ooh. and because of the new Jim Crow. Um, yeah. That was, and, but yeah, Turn Away Study by uh, Diana Green Foster. Oh. So I, hopefully by the next time we talk, I'll give you my full thoughts on that. I'm expecting to be angry and hating most of modern society. Um, well, that's. I'll make so popcorn. So that's just like Tuesday. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't yeah. know. I don't need a book In 2020, Tuesday. <laughs> I'll make popcorn when you come back and do your rant. And I'll dress up in Michael Jackson and I'll, you know, I'll eat the popcorn from you. You know? Okay. Oh, God. Okay, so last time I said I was going to start the Witcher series. Finally, because we don't have it, like, here, but, like, I got it on Overdrive. Yeah. So I've been waiting. Woo! Finally, uh, my hold has come through and I have the first book in the Witcher series. Yay! However... <clears throat> Game-wise, I kind of put it on hold for a minute because I was online a couple, like, days ago, and there were a few games that were on sale because oh. Talk Like a Pirate Day, they did a Talk Like a Pirate weekend sale, like, with all these different, like, games that have to do with, like, pirates on Steam. Yeah. And it wasn't one of the games involved, but it was also within the sale, I guess. Um, Dragon's Dogma. 
is a game that was on sale for like $9.99 and it's the Dark Arisen version, which is all the DLCs, all the pre-order bonuses, all that extra stuff just like thrown in there. And so I was like, well, okay. Ten dollars, I can't really beat that, and so I bought it. I bought a couple other games as well, but like I bought that and I started playing it. Oh my god! <laughs> Do I have feelings? Basically, long story short, without spoiling too much, a dragon steals your heart and you have to go get it back. Ooh. Oh! And um, there's a whole lot of weirdness going on in the middle of it, but like the way that the game works is it's like for people who are familiar with video games. There's like the Dark Souls aspect to it where you actually have to pay attention to how you're attacking people and if you're not strategizing correctly when you're like in the middle of a battle, like it can go completely wrong. And it also like in Dark Souls, like there's this kind of like slight companion like system where you can grab players from other games like offline and like drag them into your world and they can like go around with you for like a small bit or like they give you like um examples and helpfulness to your quests if you need them and so you can do that in this game as well and they can take your companion that you create out as well and your companion comes back to you with the knowledge that they've gotten from the other players that's kind of cool and then it's also open world like Skyrim or like any other like open world game where you can just go literally anywhere and you can run into characters who are higher level than you we and like you can run into like higher level characters and be like, oh, I'm not ready and like run away. Like you have that like oh, option cool. to do these types of things as you're playing. So when you're playing, I, I have to ask because I know myself as a gamer, uh-huh. when I run into like a, a new open area that's vastly not within my level range and I should immediately tuck tail and run but I'm a dumb gamer sometimes and I forge ahead into this oh, yeah. high leveled area oh, yeah. I inevitably fire. and I get made fun of by friends and family <laughs> my girlfriend for screaming high pitched noises like it's it's comical like I can feel myself like Aah! and then my character's running around hopefully thinking did, did it auto save? Did it auto save? Please yeah. tell me it auto save. So the no. game auto saves and you're not wrong um <laughs> But, like, <laughs> you can't save in the middle of a battle or, like, there's no, like, quick save type thing. So, like, I have to go, like, a few feet before, like, I reach, like, a group of, like, enemies before I can, like, go after them. And so I did that Sunday. I went to a land that I was not prepared for at all. Mm. And I was sitting there going, okay, this is fine. I can, I can do this. This is fine. And so I run with these, like, so this is a fantasy game. So, like, everything's, like, giant lizards and, like ogres and like chimeras and like all this crazy yeah chimeras i was excited to see chimeras in this game and i run into like this river and there's like all these different like giant lizards around and i'm like okay fine whatever i already like beat some earlier in the game so i'm thinking like it has the you reach an area or you reach a monster and they stay at that level that you reach them at. So, like, I was at level 6 when I first got there. And then, like, I was, like, level 17 when I got to the second point. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, there's only four of them. This is fine. No, there's, like, 12 of them. And they're, like, all coming at you at once. <laughs> they turn invisible and you have to cut off their tails. And, like, normal attacks don't work on them. And I'm, like, sitting there going, this is absolutely stupid. I can't do this. I hate this. Where's my game genie? <laughs> and so... 
I was screaming at the computer screen, why? Why does this have to be this way? And I died like five times in a row. And then I finally turned around and I came up with a better strategy and I like mitigated around that yeah. and beat them all. So that was fantastic. And then I went further in and this is an escort quest that I'm doing. So I have this other guy behind me following me oh, around. I, oh. <laughs> so worst moment and I reach an ogre and I'm like, absolutely not. We're going around. So I just start going around, run into some bandits thinking, okay, fine, whatever. And then a chimera comes out of absolute nowhere. And chimeras are treated as mini bosses with like the huge like, Ooh, nope. like Bar. HP bars above yeah. their heads. Yeah. Absolutely not. <laughs> I died and decided, okay, I'm just gonna go to the last checkpoint, which was like the last in way before I even started doing all this. And then I decided not to take that quest to go do other things. I was like, absolutely not. We're done. I'm not doing this today. That's hilarious. Hopefully some of our listeners have played that game because now I want to play the game. It's $10 on Steam. Nice. Nice. Well, I know what you all are doing tonight. <laughs> I'm just restarting Skyrim for the 100th time. That's what I, I do. I did have a flashback to Skyrim when she said the word follower. Do you remember that? Was it Barnaby, that stupid dog? Barnabas! You during one Barnabas! Of the there's Barnabas! Context. There's this oh, dog, yeah. that, it's a talking dog that follows you in the game. But what's cool about this dog is that he's immortal. He can't be killed. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. But he talks! <laughs> so like, many he's times I'm trying to do, a, I forget for a second that he's there and I'm doing this great stealthy quest where I'm trying not to attract the attention of the 15 dragons circling above that I'm not quite powerful <laughs> enough yet for. And oh, Barney's like, hey guys, come here, come on down. Next thing you know, I'm like, oh Barbus. Listen. It's Barbus. No, it's Barbus. I, I will take on, I don't care how leveled and the dragon is and how not leveled I am, I'll take on a dragon anytime. Because I'm like, I will wait you out. <laughs> I you did that in Dragon die. Age and it was the worst mistake <laughs> of my entire life. Don't do it. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but Barbus is... He's a follower of Clavicus Vile, right? Yeah. Yes. Like a, he, he's like a. He's like a. I'm so sorry, Jeff. A familiar of him. Uh, I, yeah, I he's a familiar of the. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Cool. He's a Daedric Prince's follower, and uh, you know he got cast up for jokes and laughs. Uh, and you get the choice to kill him. I if could you marry really anyone. I would marry I a Daedric Prince. All the wind you hear in the background is this whole conversation going over my head, guys. <laughs> return I think, return I, us to the books by telling us. I think we need Jen to tell us what she's reading. Okay. Yeah. So I read like three books this weekend and they were all fantastic. First, I read Legendborn. I literally oh, yeah. finished this book 10 minutes before the library closed on a Saturday, mm -hmm. and it was not my weekend to work. I threw on my shoes and my mask, and I threw this book at Anthony in the youth department. <laughs> Quite literally, by the way. Yeah, she sure did. Yeah, like, my pigeon arm was ready, and I'm sorry <laughs> if I gave you a bruise. No, 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 I mean, yeah, it's fine. It is so good. It is based off Arthurian legends, following this girl who gets into an early college program at UNC and, like, discovers that people on campus are doing Arthurian magic, you guys. Ooh. Hmm. And, like, that's as much as I can say without giving too much of the plot away. Is that the but, second one? No, it's the first in a series. There are a lot of comparison to City of Bones, and, like, they are warranted. Okay. I want this book. To take that off my read list now. <laughs> what? 
leave. What? 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 Uh, are we after the city of bones? Are we? I'm gonna go make some popcorn at the uh, microwave. You guys go ahead. The fight. only yeah. book worse than Anti city of bones is the fault in our stars. Oh, I can't. You know, I boom, just boom, 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 boom. Shots fired. Wendy's trying to get me to stop listing off the rest of the books I read this week and just get we into a fight. Just <laughs> killed our moderator. Yeah. So so <laughs> He's that, not here anymore. That wasn't his laugh. That was Grant. <laughs> I'm reporting into a That was yeah. the ghost to the library. <laughs> After we finish this podcast, I'm reporting into our boss and getting him fired. Anyways. I've been fired and rehired I don't know how many times now. <laughs> what else did you read, Jen? I read You Should See Me in a Crown by Leah Johnson. Legend Board was written by Tracy Dion. You Should See Me in a Crown was written by Leah Johnson. It follows a girl in a small town Indiana high school, and like, I don't know if this was based off the prom musical, but I got those vibes. Nice. Uh, she needs to get a scholarship to college to be able to afford to attend her dream college where her mother also went. When she doesn't get the scholarship from the school, she has to start running for prom queen because this school has a scholarship for their prom royalty. It's nuts. It's so good. I love that. Uh, I read More Than Maybe by Aaron Hahn, H-A-H-N, who is, I believe, a relatively local author. I think she lives in Ann Arbor. Oh, cool. The book is set in Ann Arbor, Michigan, home of my heart. Uh, follows around music podcaster Luke Greenlee and music blogger Veda Carswell, who have secret crushes on each other. Oh, yeah. Do not know that the other one likes them. And then they end up working together. They're trying to save this bar, the Loud Lizard. Hint, hint, yep. nudge, nudge. Yes, you do know which bar this is that I'm talking about. <laughs> and then they end up falling in love in the process. The end is swoon-worthy, stupid cute. I lost my entire mind. And after reading all of those this weekend, I have finally moved on to The Identicals by Ellen Hildebrand. Nice. Yeah, I cataloged that book and was losing my mind as I was cataloging it. It's was like, so cute. What? It's what? so cute. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yay. Three more TBR books. Go. Yay. So we're talking about bands. Subject. Subject. So we're talking about band books. Oh, my gosh. I wanna, can I start with mine? Yes. yes. Okay, well, first, okay, I'm going to start with a short one, and then I'm going to give you the longer one. Oh, gosh. So okay. <laughs> you guys have to name... Which book in 2018 was challenged for including a same-sex couple? And I will give you one clue. It is a children's book. That still doesn't narrow it down. Like, half the list anymore is things that have LGBTQ content. Pick me. I know. Pick me. I know. But this one was specifically challenged for including same-sex couple. Like, it wasn't for LGBT content. It was for including a same-sex couple. I, I know the answer. Which one? I know. It's Captain Underpants. Which Captain Underpants? Oh, God. What was it? It's right here, God. actually. It's, um... <laughs> I can't believe you knew that. Sensational. We'll be looking up the list. Yeah. Oh. Sensational Saga of Sir stinks a lot. Yes. I just thought that was really funny. Of all the reasons anyone would ever choose to ban or challenge Captain Underpants. I mean... Most of the books actually have been challenged in the yeah. past yeah. because Including other of reasons, such as encouraging disruptive behavior, and yeah. also one of them features a same-sex married couple. Yeah, I just yeah. think that's really funny. But my, not favorite, yes, I found something today that I thought was really entertaining. Um, concerning Toni Morrison's novel Paradise, okay. the Texas Department of Criminal Justice banned the book from its prisons in 1998, in February 1998, they sent her an email 
and they banned it, quote, because it, well, they banned it because it, quote, contains material that a reasonable person would construe as written solely for the purpose of communicating information designed to achieve a breakdown of prisons through inmate disruptions such as strikes or riots. Uh, okay. When questioned about this in 2001, after a law had changed, the spokeswoman, Michelle Lyons, for the Texas Department of Criminal Justice, said, quote, if it's a book about slavery and that language was used during that time period, then that book could still be allowed. It's referencing, like, racial slurs. Mm. But if the entire context of the book was racially motivated, then typically that book would be denied. <laughs> Just, I don't can of worms. Understand what that means. <laughs> I, like I you know. can see the smoke coming out of my ears yeah, I, right now, trying to process that sentence. Yeah. I, yes. Exactly. It, yeah. I know. I can see the gears turning that are making it the smoke kind this of is, yeah. You can just see that. This is how much challenging our banning books makes sense for those of you paying any attention. No oh boy. I'm sorry, I had to, but it was just, I saw those quotes and I was like, oh. I mean, I think it's all pretty fair to say that as library workers, we're just kind of in general anti-book banning. Why is that? Because the whole point of the job is putting books in people's hands, even if they're books that other people don't want you reading. I mean, like, even the degree is often called information sciences. I mean, yeah, we are Yeah, literally, in... my degree is a master of science in information. So can I poke the devil a little bit? Go for it. Oh, oh God. Is there any such thing as a dangerous book? No. I mean, yes, Ooh, but, like, not in the sense that, that like, they so shouldn't good. be allowed to read it. What does that mean? I mean, like, I could see if we're getting sort of cutesy about it. <laughs> lots of books are dangerous because they can make you think in ways that you have not yet been accustomed to in your life and that could be dangerous for plenty of people in positions of power that they know they don't justly have mm -hmm. or that they know okay. could be threatened if people start thinking in a different way sure. so like yeah sure dangerous but also like that doesn't mean people shouldn't read it anyways mm -hmm. or that if somebody comes to me and goes I want to read this I'm going to go no you cannot do that like never once in my life will I do that mm -hmm. that's the whole Streisand effect coming back in you tell, <laughs> you tell somebody don't read it and then they turn around and they go oh well uh, why don't you want me to read it and then they give you like their list of reasons and you're like okay and then they go read it because they want to understand why you say don't read this book and then therefore they read it, they turn around, they tell somebody else about the fact that you, Anthony, just told me not to read this book and yeah. I read this book now and I'm gonna tell Grant that you said not to read this book, but I read this book and I thought it was a lot more interesting than what he said and now Grant's gonna read it and then he's gonna tell somebody else and so now. So can I blame Barbara Streisand for my viewing uh, Brad Pitt's <laughs> butt at 12? Wait, what? Oh. Uh, my, mom, my mom banned me from watching Legends of the Fall because she said it was an adult movie, and I watched it when she wasn't there. Listen, and I was like, the term is just named after her. It's actually been in existence for a lot longer. Than I know. That. I'm, just, I'm just being ridiculous. This whole Streisand yeah. thing can go back to like Oscar Wilde, my dudes. So, I just like, have so many feelings fair, about banning books. <laughs> about yeah. what? I just have so many feelings about banning books. Okay, you know, here's a here's a thought I had. Up. 
the stairs. Like, if we could even boil it down to our weird primal instincts and decide upon a book uh that we think should be omitted from our shelves. Ah. What book? What an awful question. Should be banned. Yeah, I mean, I the mean, obvious response I, is none of them. But on what? But on what? Like, on what basis, grounds? Though? Because and why? Yeah. Because literally, like, I have bought books as the book buyer for the adults and the teens mm-hmm. that I personally have not wanted to buy that I would not personally want to buy for myself. I've mm-hmm. seen them. But that doesn't mean that I shouldn't buy them. Mm-hmm. And like, yes, I do try. There are certain things that I will not buy that I can justify based on the sort of, like, anti-scientific content that they put out. But if we're talking more politics, like, just because I don't agree with the politics, unless enough people are saying, like, no, this book is legit, like, misinformation from one end to the other, Mm -hmm. I can and I will and I should buy it for the collection because I think it's up for people to judge this for themselves. I'm not your mommy. I'm not going to tell you what's appropriate for you to read. Right, because that's the whole that's the whole enterprise of reading in the first place is that it's between you and the book. It's not between you, the book, and the person reading over your shoulder and the person who may or may not purchase the same book from the same shelf in the same store in the same town in the same county of the same country that you live in. Like, it's nonsense. Like, if I read something, I have no idea who else is reading it unless I happen to view the New York Times bestseller list. Or, Plus, you don't know what you're going to get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, exactly. And what I get out of a specific text is going to be completely different than what someone else... I mean, and people read at different levels... So that has an effect on, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> like, that makes think, sense. I think it is totally valid for you to go, I personally refuse to read this. I personally mm-hmm. do not want to read this. Mm-hmm. I do think that as a parent, you can go, I don't want my child to read this. And if your child goes behind your back, then that's up to them. But like, <laughs> on the context of like, when a school assigns a book, if you go, no, I do not want my specific child reading this book, whatever, that's your call. Yeah. I do not think it is fair for anyone to go, I don't want my child to read this book, so I'm going to get the entire school to ban it. Yeah. That reminds me of the Ellie Wazzle Night. Yeah. Oh, I love that book. Uh, there was a school in California where you could turn around and you could opt out, you opt your child out of reading certain books or like mm-hmm. doing certain things. Almost everyone <clears throat> opted out of reading Ellie Wazzle's Night. Because they thought that it was too, like, violent? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. the entire Holocaust. You, you, you got, you got Wait, it. But the like, Holocaust happened? Get out. <laughs> it's, We're not doing that but see, here's the, But here's the crazy thing about that, though, that drives me mad. I just read a that? study in The Guardian that, like, two-thirds of American youths can't identify the Holocaust or thought it was overblown. Yeah, I, 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 I cried so when I So we are that. not yeah. making that joke Exactly, here. like, it's awful. But here's the thing that's crazy about that, though, that drives me a little bit more than a little batty. Anytime you point out anything that makes people uncomfortable about the country's history, boo-hoo, um, people get all up in arms about it, and they don't want their children reading about it. And I'm like, okay, 
But let's like look at this a little closely. Simply because your child is expected to not understand Shakespearean iambic pentameter doesn't make Romeo and Juliet less violent. Oh my god. Doesn't make Hamlet less violent. I mean, right. for example, when Oth when Ophelia throws herself into the pond, the lake, the, the river, river, whatever drowns her, every single person in my senior class like held a moment of silence for Ophelia because we were all like been there girl we did that Sorry. for Othello too with Desdemona like it, at the end like yeah there's no like stripping Shakespeare of like how violent it is just that it is it just is and like no there's no one like petitioning to make sure we get rid of Shakespeare in school so like because he's old enough that he's now a classic which I wonder which mm -hmm. books we are now currently banning and talking about how bad they are for the youth of America or whatever. What books in 50 years are they going to be like, this is a classic of its time. Everyone needs to read this because it says profound truths about the state of America. Well, it makes you wonder when, like, we, we made fun of <laughs> uh, in a previous podcast, um, Catcher in the Rye. I did. That's one of the ones that I was just about and to And that's always about. getting... Banned. You know, yeah. challenge. Well, and we, we we do have to, like, there is a discussion we could have a little bit later on what is the difference between a banned and a challenged book. Yeah. And removed. Um, and, right. It, yeah, yeah like, what were the consequences? Mm -hmm. um, and there is a process. If, fair listeners, if you think a book on our shelves warrants uh, reconsideration. Oh, dear God. There is a process. <laughs> <laughs> there is a process you can go go through and just ask us. You know, I hate to say it's going to end probably in a way that you don't love, but there's but still a process. But we will give it its due consideration. <laughs> sure. I guess. I I get really, I don't know. I, we do have to do this. And like, I, I, yeah. will, I will take my personal feelings it's about true. book banning out of the equation. We will look at the text yeah. of your request and go off of the actual, we will not use our personal feelings in this judgment. Yeah, that's true. Um, but also, you should know that professionally, we actually know a lot more than you do about why that book is on the shelf. So you're probably not going to like it. The end result, that's me just being a snob. Sorry. <laughs> this is what we do for a living. <laughs> no, well, like, kind of related to that, let me pull over this list that I grabbed. Yes. So the official banned books list for 2019, and then actually this year, ALA is releasing the top 100 challenge books for the decade of 2010 to 2019. Ooh. But o OIF so currently has a top 10 to most challenged books oh, list. Gonna, am I going to get the popcorn now? That says... Oh, you want to create trivia out of these two? Oh, no. But, like, <coughs> so they have their top 10 most challenged books of 2019. I'm ready for this. So far. Mm -hmm. Number one is George by Alex Gino, which is one of the 80% of these books that are challenged for LGBTQ content. Yeah. But my favorite quote from, like, the reasons behind the challenging oh. of this, <laughs> quote, because schools and libraries should not put books in a child's hand that require discussion. What? what? Actual quote from this. You can read this yeah. paper that I printed off. No, that's almost too angry. Like, we can't even go astral projection. We're just, like, like taking off in the idea. Like, I'm fully present in my body with the force of my, like, flabbergastment at right this point, now. At this point, Andy just needs to take the microphone off the table because we're all just about to collectively flip it. Yeah, rescue what you need because... Jen, we might need a new microphone after this one. <laughs> 
it kind of just shows like the level of self-awareness that these people have yeah. like when they ban it like I've seen others that are banned for like like we, I think you said with Captain Underpants promoting disobedient behavior or, or questioning of authority or something mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. do you realize how that sounds like yeah yeah Coming like, from you, the authority figure. Yeah, or, or, or like even on like the the, the twenty eighteen list, like George's like banned challenge and re relocated because it was believed to encourage children to clear browser history, <laughs> and change their bodies using hormones and for mentioning, and describing male anatomy and having a transgender character. You guys realize this book is like. A hundred pages soaking wet, right? Like, yeah, it's right. Not even like, that it's the <laughs> tiniest. Picture. It's literally just on. I, mm. Which, mind you, for a second grader, might be intimidating. Yeah, or like, but, like I just y'all y'all know that like reading a book doesn't instantly cause the reader to go out and do the thing described in the book, right? Like, I have read heist novels and never committed a crime. I have read The Very Hungry Caterpillar and not eaten all the food in my wait, house. Wait, 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 wait. I read Clockwork Orange one time and I spent 10 years in jail because of the things I did. <laughs> I walked right out the door. I barely even finished the book. I mean, I read the Bible and in a single afternoon I stuck a knife in someone's gut and it's the person oh, that swallowed that, the knife. It, 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 I also <laughs> ate forbidden fruit. And I may or may not have nailed a person to a cross. I can't remember. In, tw yeah. in, tw nailed in 2016, <laughs> that was number six on the challenged books list, by the way, the Bible. Of course. Yeah. I mean, I, I do, at least we're being yes. fair. Books do have an influence on you. Like, I have definitely gone out and, like, listened to a song because I heard it in a book. Or, like, I've been mm -hmm. like, oh, that character said they had a cool hairstyle. I should give that a shot. Like, low level, sure. Yeah, but, like... People have like bare minimum critical thinking skills, maybe not like, not after reading these challenge books list, I guess, but like people have like some thinking skills. The point of some of these books, I would say, is to make you think about what you're reading and think about other people in America <clears throat> and how they differ from you and how they maybe still deserve some respect and love, y'all. But but at the same time, book the thing about books <laughs> is that. Books are books are conversations from one or a group of authors who are human beings to any number of people who might read this thing. And if you consider something like Adolf Hitler's Mein Kampf, how many of his followers did or did not read the book? Which begs you to wonder how many of those people genuinely felt and believed in his cause for something that had to do with themselves? Like, there's something within mm. themselves that was yeah. already there that would not have necessarily have been disturbed had they not read this text. And then, of course, you know, <laughs> you can see the results of history from that. But the point is, like, this is what I think people who challenge and ban books fear is that if books can be wonderful tools in our lives, then the opposite must also be true, that they can also create dis... Discord? And disruption. I mean, Common Sense by Thomas Paine, for example, is a famous example of like a text that actually shook people to want to uh, partake in the Revolutionary War. Um, because most people were like, nope, leave me alone. Do not come to my farm with that mess. We are going to die. The British Army is crazy. Common sense drops. The people who read it were like, 
who's up for a tea party? Let's go. So, like, <laughs> I mean, it... Do you think they drink Earl Grey? But, but the point is, like... <laughs> but the, it, and if you look at both historical examples and the books that, that helped to instigate them, one of those is more commonly cited with than another for very good, obvious <laughs> reasons. But my yes. point is that it's easy for us in our current society and as people who work with books all the time to sort of go, books are good things, books cannot do a lot of damage, books cannot hurt people, um, but they do reach people who are already prone to yeah, certain Yeah, I would say that, like, I totally get if somebody comes up to me and says they have anxiety or depression or insert other mental illness or physical condition or whatever here and they don't want to read about that. Like, if you come up to me and say, I have cancer, don't give me a cancer novel. Like, that's fair and vet. Like, yeah. I'm not saying, I've said it before and I will say it again on this podcast, not every book is for every person. Exactly. There is a book for everyone, but not every book is for you. And so I think it's valid if you personally have read insert book on one of these challenge lists here and you personally didn't love it, you know it's not for you, you don't think it's right for your child, whatever. I think that's fair. Like, yeah, that's fine. Mm -hmm. It's when you go ahead and say, so nobody should read this, that I have a problem with your argument. Yeah. Is that, like, to go at Anthony's point about, like, people reading the books and then, like, having, like, those thoughts, is that a book problem or is that more of a human psyche problem? Oh, it's certainly a human psyche problem. Like, yeah. Because it's not right. really the fault of the book that, like, when people read it, like, they get these thoughts or they go, I agree with this wholeheartedly because of something that's completely off basis or, like, they get some type of ideological idea out of it. Yeah. That's more of the human psyche problem where, yeah. like, they turn around and they've gotten something from this. That yeah. maybe and they, they should or should not have gotten. Yeah, and they perpetuate more from it and, like... It's not really the fault of the book, it's the fault of the human. Yeah, like not to throw it in a sure. real dark direction, yeah. but 13 Reasons Why has made these book lists a few times yeah. because it discusses suicide. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't think anybody who sort of reads this from a firmly non-suicidal oh, yeah. mindset mm -hmm. is going to immediately run out and commit suicide. Like, I have read it, I'm still sitting here. Yeah. But I think if you are suicidal, I do get that that might not be the right call for you to read Especially right. at, like, a low point in your life. Like, maybe if you're feeling good and you want to see what the buzz is about. Yeah. And if you feel it setting you off, put the book down. Like, there's also no shame in not finishing a book because yeah. you know it's not for you. Yeah. I mean, but on the flip side, like, I wouldn't be sitting here if I hadn't read Looking for Alaska when I read Looking for Alaska. It was it was Also on pivotal. the challenge list. Yeah. Or, to paraphrase John Green, the least erotic blowjob scene ever. <laughs> <laughs> Like, no, that's why it's been challenged. That's why it's school. been challenged? Yes. Oh, that's hilarious. He has a whole Vlogbrother video about it where, like, a certain, like some school district challenged it because of the blowjob scene. Spoiler alert, it's not actually a blowjob no, scene. No, it's a banana. And it's the kind no, of thing it's that... it's a tube of toothpaste. It's a tube of toothpaste, that's right. It's the kind of thing that people used to be able to do in sex ed classes <laughs> that you can't do anymore because, well, there aren't any sex ed classes, but that's a whole nother... Yeah, that's not this podcast. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Distance learning sex ed. Oh, oh! I don't want to think about that. Can, oh can can we ask Grant what he thinks about Grant banned books? Because I don't want to have that conversation. <laughs> well, you see, <laughs> yes, thanks, Grant. <laughs> no, I mean, you have a Zoom open. What? <laughs> what were you learning? Well, no, I mean, um, 
Yeah, sorry, I haven't jumped in a whole lot in this in this conversation, but you guys have been covering it really. We've been kind really of steamrolling well. this kind of. Oh no, but we're kind of passionate. No, I mean, just a little. I mean, I I consider myself passionate about censorship and art in general. I mean, I consider myself mm. an artiste, you know, in certain <laughs> ways. Yeah, um, of course. But I mean, the topic of censorship specifically with books and in regards to libraries. <laughs> That's interesting because, I mean, it's easy for us to say that um, it's not our place to decide what people can and can't read and what we offer for people to read, but I think there are certain lines that we kind of just draw. Mm -hmm. Like, like, like we're not going to have the Turner Diaries here in the library for white, white supremacists to come in pick up or something but mm-hmm. it, it's available for people to read online I'm sure yes but that's interesting but I mean like there, there could be an argument for a book like that to be important because like it inspired Timothy uh, supposedly it inspired like Timothy McVeigh to um, commit the Oklahoma City bombing and stuff mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. like I hadn't even heard of this book before Grant just <laughs> mentioned it so I'm doing some research on the side because right <laughs> I'm completely ignorant you're gonna want to um leave your body afterwards <laughs> um, yeah. Maybe so. I do that on a yeah. daily basis okay. so Maybe I mean at this point does yeah. anyone remember when this wasn't white I think the Twilight series was either ending it was like right in the middle of everything it okay. wasn't quite when the books first took off but there was a, sc- yeah. a score of high schools in the Midwest I think that were attempting to ban the books because they're Students, high school students, were discovered to have been sucking each other's necks, trying to. Oh, I know. remember that. That just means you got weirdos. I remember that. 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 I just bad. thought I, I remember reading that, and I was like, "So, what high school in America doesn't have teenagers attempting to suck each other's necks? Maybe not trying I'm sure at to my like." High school, produce... There was a couple that had somebody on one end of the leash at one. Point. Yeah, right. Like, like there's always a weirdo. Such somewhere. a strange. And I remember having this conversation too about Harry Potter with a, a an education major when my first year in college. And she said she was a little that she was she had read the books and that she was fine, but she felt a little leery about the age at which they should be read because there were a group of children who uh, had managed to. She said this. They had managed to pull branches off of trees for their Harry Potter club, and they were running around the school spouting spells at each other. Oh no! So they're playing course, pretend. So of course I had to ask the question. To an education major, um, did any of the spells work? <laughs> to which she replied, "Well, not according to the article I was reading." You know, I'm not even like I would be like, "Okay, we can talk when they summon Beelzebub, all right?" Yeah. <laughs> you know, if, I'd like to see that like, actually. I'd, like, I'd, I'd, be, I'd personally Beelzebub. be more afraid that like one of them's gonna put someone else's eye out when they trip. Like that's the real concern I have here about the running yeah. around. But yeah, I think. Uh, I, I I think the vast majority of people have no problem with like the free exchange of information. I would hope so. Like, but I mean, do you really think so? That's so optimistic. Um, I, maybe maybe it is a little naive, but I, 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 <laughs> I mean, wouldn't say it's naive. But there, there are certain certainly very large like groups that um, would be 
perfectly fine with us living under like a religious theocracy or something. And no thanks. See the Handmaid's yeah, Tale included yes, on the list. Yes, indeed. <laughs> but um, no thanks. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, you know. Yeah, mumble, yeah. mumble, mumble, mumble. I don't know. It's like, mm, that's interesting. I'm trying to think what as you were talking. I, I think people don't want to have a conversation. I think it, it's kind of interesting. It's like a. In my regard of children, I think children are brilliant little creatures. Yeah. Um, they have to be. I, and I'm going to say creatures because I, love, I, love I like term. my nieces and nephews to I think that it. I don't like them. Um, <laughs> they accept the fact that I have a least hated, not a favorite, least hated, big difference. I, 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 I hate you guys, and you know it. Um, <laughs> and they're probably, if they were listening to this, their hand would go over the heart, Andy. He, he hates us. But you know, people don't want to have conversations. And I think that's what a lot of it is, which, like, to your point, that your, your optimistic point that you think everyone is on board, like, the, on board with the freedom of information, but then the minute they have to have an awkward conversation that they can't articulate their argument or, yeah, because uh, hence why we have parents, I, I, God him forbid, like, I probably I'm damaged in ways I don't even know, but like my parents never stopped me from reading, hence why I go to a Catholic school. I'm reading The Life and Times of Jimi Hendrix and I which Sister Kateri, you know, may she, you know, rest in peace, she did not like that. Um, she was the principal of the school and she was she was rather mean. <laughs> the PG term. Mean. <laughs> I, I learned things about her. I've since forgiven Sister Kateri, but that said, you were mean. Um, Can she hear you? Yes. Well, if there is an afterlife. Yes. Um, but Let's just that's what yes. she's doing with her afterlife is listening to our podcast. <laughs> you mention her name and she just tunes right in. I, I feel like she did slap me one time, so we did have a bit of a connection. <laughs> I'm not even that old world of a Catholic school yeah. student, but I got yeah. slapped. I can see the handprint just like glowing on your body right now. <laughs> um, <coughs> I, think, I think that is like everyone wants to say, yes, I'm totally against censorship. I'm totally for the freedom of information, all these wonderful things. I, I would never think to, but then the minute they get pushed, like explain to your 11 year old mm -hmm. why they can't read Harry Potter or you know, your 15-year-old why you don't want them to read 13 Reasons Why. Like, all these different books. I mean, Captain Umber Underpants. <laughs> I mean, the idea that it was ever challenged, like, is, like, ridiculous. Do you know Dr. Seuss? The yeah. Lorax was challenged. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because it hurt the feelings of forest industry workers. But, you know, it's interesting that you bring up Dr. Seuss because that, that gives me a nice little plug for the millennial version of... Uh, uh, fighting intellectual freedom that I would love for us to discuss because I want to know okay. what you want us to discuss. Please put it out there. Two words: cancel culture. Oh, okay. Because okay. that okay. is a okay. really like for me personally. My line with cancel culture is: <clears throat> I'm not canceling it. Personally, I'll cancel it. Whatever. If I don't like it, I don't have to deal with it. That's fine. But on a like more global scale or I think that uh, I just I can't do I it. feel like we're talking those are two different things are at they? least in yeah. my mind and I can articulate my understanding of both of those sure. I can understand where but censorship from. is when the government or <clears throat> your church or 
every publishing house mm -hmm. goes, nope, we are actively choosing to not publish what you want to say, we are suppressing your beliefs, and you have to say X things instead. Mm -hmm. I feel like cancel culture is when like 20 people on Twitter go, hey, we don't like insert person here, and here's why we don't think you should listen to them anymore. Mm. Or like, I personally am not going to listen to them anymore. Like, right. deplatforming is not the same as censoring. That's true. I can kind of see where Anthony is coming from, though, because like, it's more like, instead of like a like censorship of information via like government or like church or like school or like something like that, it's more like a social yeah, like I feel like it's very like censorship. I don't think that's as, but I think that's where it starts. That's but like, the problem. Like, because um, I shut down pressure. your Twitter page, you can't go start a blog, write a no, blog. No, but I mean, like, I think because it, because there have been instances in which um, editorial changes have been made, books have been pulled, right? Um, and sometimes the the author makes the choice to pull the book, which is a whole different thing. If the author says, "I don't think I should publish this right now because of X, Y, Z," fine. Um, but if there's an outcry on a social media site and that's not being tracked and a publisher says, okay, we're not going to... Can you give us an gonna, example? Uh, sure. Um, I just, just for the listeners. Yeah. Yeah. It'll, yeah, so it'll like, help because I feel like sometimes talking about this like directly yeah. really does I, I, I so think I can of, know where he's going, but I'm not sure yet. There's the, Kira Drake's The Continent, which has since been published, but originally was pulled for publication not by the author, but by the publisher because when advanced reader copies went out, a core group of reviewers, and not all of them were professional re reviewers, but some of them were, reviewed the book and discovered that there was some, uh, the way in which the world building was set up was very similar to like American slavery to some degree, <laughs> um, wherein all of the darker skinned characters were enslaved or in some system of enslavement in this dystopian novel, and right. the white girl hero had to go and rescue them and save them. And when the outcry came, the publisher was like, oop, pulling the book, we'll do a better job at editing the book. The author then had to say, like on her blog, to people who were looking for the book or waiting for the book, who were excited for the book, sorry, my publisher has pulled the book from publication for these reasons. That's not exactly censorship because she didn't lose her contract, she didn't lose her money, nothing went to court, although it could have done if whatever. But like, no, and I do also, <laughs> but then I guess because like, yeah, people are going to publish books with bad takes in them for whatever reason. Yeah. But I think, like, if your point, like, I'm guessing intentionality cannot always be determined, maybe doesn't always matter. Like, it doesn't matter mm -hmm. if somebody had good intentions. If they hurt you, you should still ask them for forgiveness or, like, right. to, or for them to apologize, and then you can choose to forgive. Sorry, I kind of skipped a step in the middle there. Yeah, yeah. But, like... What was her intentionality behind writing that book series? Because mm. I think if it was to be like, white people are better than black people, here's my slavery system, I'm never going to dismantle it in this entire book series. I think publishers fully have the right to say, no, we don't want to publish that. Sure. We have moved past that state of being in the world today. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I could see, hey, I tried to do slavery. I thought I did a great job, but we reached the advanced reader stage and people are going, hey, wait a minute, you still have some things to work on here. Mm -hmm. The publisher was saying, okay, we hear you. We will fix it before we send it out into the next 
stage of publication or if the author goes oh hey I hear you I want to rewrite this and fix it before the next stage of publication because my intention is not to glorify slavery but to dismantle it in this book right yeah I do think that's not like is it self-censorship like are we but yeah yeah but if that's not the full intention you know that was not the genesis of your thought you know editing is not the same as censorship that's true that's true. I, yeah, I was just curious to know how adjacent no, and I do think cancel like, culture could be. Because I do think sometimes is, cancel or, culture can and does go overboard on what they want to do. And I do think it's just a trait of the internet in general to hear about like yep. one <laughs> maybe minor bad thing that happens and then it blows up into like a media firestorm. Sure. Like I do think all of that is very possible. But like, okay, I'm just gonna say it. <laughs> Go for it. Yes, I'm ready. People going, I don't want to watch a Woody Allen movie anymore because he seems terrible. That's not censorship. That's people going, right. hey, he's put his movie into the market, and I'm not gonna watch it. Right. Yeah. Or absolutely. hey, I'm an actress, and like I was up for a role in this Woody Allen movie, but I don't want to do that. Yeah. Right. That's, that, that's not them telling yeah, you, like, like censorship you is, can't watch this movie. That's them saying, I don't like the choice to not watch yeah, this movie right. because of X, Y, and Z. And also, and I if, think it's even... That's fair. It's even one thing, like, I feel like there's a difference between expressing my, hey, I hated this book, this movie, and here's why. I'm going to try to convince you not to read it, but I'm not going to go so far as to say, this movie or this book should not be released, or yeah. that it should be pulled from the shelves. Like, I think it's fair to not like things and to try to convince people to not like them along with you. Mm-hmm. Do you ever have a, a reaction to, I'm trying to think of a good example, um, when a publishing platform, say like Disney, decided to not include Dumbo on Disney Plus? Um, I haven't really? even gotten that far. It's not even on Disney Plus? Dumbo? Like, I think I, the live is action is. Yeah, the live action. Okay, the, the original the cartoon. animated. Oh, because of the... Uh, okay. The yeah, I got you. The crows. Yeah, I got you. I do have some just quibbles with how Disney Plus is choosing to run their... Mark, I, what, I guess, their content <laughs> in general. Yeah, same. But I do think, like, how they're doing with Gone with the Wind. Like, okay, people still plenty want to read and watch Gone with the Wind, yeah. but now they're putting the disclaimer at the beginning, like Warner Brothers has done with some of their cartoons, like, mm-hmm. hey, this was made in the 30s, and it reflects a lot of those values, so just know that going in, folks. Yeah, and I feel like, but see, the thing about it is, like, the thing that's interesting about censorship, so for example, the the original Birth of a Nation, which was a film made in, 19, I think it was the 1920s. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, extremely racist. Um, no, the cartoon's on there. But if you're, for example, a oh, no, film professor, a history of film professor, and you are at a college campus and you're, this is on your syllabus, right. part of what might transpire, I'm just extrapolating this out, um, is that, you know, student who may or may not be a part of said film class sees this on the syllabus and without any explanation from said film teacher about why this would even be included on a history of film, you know, syllabus could make a big enough stink um, to get this removed from syllabus or future syllabus uh, syllabi or, you know, whatever, because 
currently we don't accept that film as a way in which to discuss film or race in film or racism in America or the effects of film and race on America. Yeah, I mean, well, I'm going you know, to say that I'm sorry that that student missed getting the critical thinking skills in class that day. Right, but I think that's something that like occurs. I think that's the censorship problem in general is that, as Andy already pointed out, you know, the, the critical thinking elevator doesn't rise above the first floor. It's just, it's, it's <laughs> beautiful. We need it to at least rise two more floors uh, yeah, before just, we finally yeah, get to the Because point. I think it's also, yeah. to kind of use your example here, I think it's one thing to be, you know, the student reading the syllabus before the class, first day of class, whatever, and to go to the professor, hey, why is this something that we are learning? What was your reasoning? What's your justification for doing this? Mm -hmm. And you don't have to agree with that. But I think if you can, like, if you, the professor, the librarian buying the books, the teacher can go, I chose this book because X, Y, and Z, I think also for something kind of as controversial as, like, Birth of a Nation, or, like, yeah. let's just say, because I've seen this kind of pivot to, like, trigger warnings and college campuses, Yeah, I think it's perfectly fair to say, hey, we're, you know, this book that we're going to read, The Kite Runner, features some child rape. Mm -hmm. I think it's perfectly valid to be innately uncomfortable. Like, yeah. I do think you have to check yourself if it's just kind of a, I think that's an uncomfortable topic. I don't want to read this. Get over yourself, kid. Mm -hmm. But if it's, I don't want to say if you, you can only say I don't want to read this if you've personally had that experience, because that's not true either. But like, if you have more of the, if you have some trauma around it, I also think it's fair to not re-traumatize yourself in the middle of class because you have to listen to Bobby McGee's hot take on how this society works. Well, and I distinctly remember, I mean, to play the opposite side of the fence here, um, I was a junior in high school, and we were heading into those parts of American literary history that can be really uncomfortable, To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, we did that in my country um, year, And you. my uh, teacher thought that it would be a brilliant idea to show us this hour and a half long video for class. It couldn't have been that long because we weren't in class for that long. But the point is, it was a long, it took up the whole section it of felt class. Long. Yeah, it did because if you are one of three black students in a room of like 25, oh. you're very small framed white female teacher with a sweet voice is saying, okay guys, we're gonna watch this video on the racist aspects of To Kill a Mockingbird. I think you're already aware of this. Yeah. That's and like that you're moment. already sitting yeah. in class. So the only way to like get out of this is to literally grab your backpack and haul, you know, but none of us did. We just kind of looked at each other like, is this really about to happen? And she shows us this video, and for like 45 solid minutes, we're hyper uncomfortable watching this video. And then afterwards she goes, does anyone want to discuss this to a room that's like basically taken a vow of silence? And all three black kids are just going, no, are but you, I think like, what? And like, I feel like ah. I've not articulated my philosophy here, but I have two points about that. Like one, sure. You kind of, you're with me. Like, yeah, if you're the black kid and you, like, you know, we're going to read, insert 
kind of racist book here. <laughs> you probably don't need the discussion about that. You probably already got that part down. Like, sure. I feel like maybe if there's a point in the class discussion in which you can participate, you should, because some of that shared experience is valuable. Sure, sure. But two, don't just start a discussion with who wants to start a discussion. Like, you need to have some targeted <laughs> questions. Yeah. I hated about, that in my classes, like, too. If at one point, like, I think it's fair to be at the end, like, is there anything else we didn't cover that anybody wants to say? Does anybody else have anything else to say? Is a fine way to end a discussion. But it's a terrible way to begin a discussion about a hard topic, especially mm. when you're choosing something. Like, let's go back to Birth of a Nation. Like, don't just play Birth of a Nation and go, does anybody have any questions? Right. Like, you need to have some, like, points in mind about some that. Conversation That's when you get, like, the really yeah. quiet classroom just staring back at you, and you have to, like, pick out students who are already uncomfortable in the first place and like ask them mm. specifically what did you think anthony and you're like i but don't you know, want to answer this question right yeah, away right. like but and you know unfortunately the same thing can be said of another book that we read earlier that semester which was the scarlet letter you know there was no pre scarlet letter film talking about how it feels to be targeted as a sexually promiscuous person in a religious community but that's not something that any like human being in that classroom at in 11th grade was going to go, yes, I've been sexually promiscuous this week and I really want to talk about how I feel living in this like little church bubble being like, no. <laughs> so some things are a little easier to sort of like sort out, but like I still don't think either of those books should have been banned. I just read one and didn't read the other. <laughs> yeah, but I think, yeah, like... I think that's the thing, though, is like, yeah, there's going to be books that discuss hard topics on syllabuses from now until the end of time. Yeah. I think it's fair to say, like, hey, kids, just know that, like, the Scarlet Letter kind of deals with a lot of frank talk about sexuality and things like that. Mm -hmm. Be ready when you come in that, like, this might bring up some uncomfortable topics for you. I think it should also be very fair for, like, somebody to be like, I need to leave the room for a minute. I need to collect myself. Like, I need to, yeah. like, I don't think that should be a stigmatized thing either. Yeah. Because, yeah, just because we don't want these books with hard topics to be banned doesn't mean that no one's going to have a bad reaction to them. And also, too, I think there's a bit of a display of power when you have someone challenging or banning a book because the number of times that if you look at any of these lists you're not going to find someone you know you're not going to find a challenge to To Kill a Mockingbird by like massive fam like massive black communities going to high school going this book is racist and like it's not as frequent or as common because there's a weird power dynamic to saying like I have a right to tell you and everyone else what you can and cannot read and also sometimes like that's the point of the book, too, is well, that, yeah. like, racist things happen and then you're supposed to learn from them. Right, like, exactly, yes. It's true. Stop saying that word, Huck. Wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Which word? No, come on. Uh, no. Oh, please don't, let's not. Yeah, no. <laughs> All right, so we're going to need a part two for this episode I, I really at this think point. We can like, easily make a part two. We're gonna need I told a, you I could go all day. This is 4.1. Be away for 4.2 because we need it at this but point. But if we're going to go with like the, that, like point one, point two, are we going to have point three, four, or five? And... So and this is four, and then the next one will be 4.5. This is going to be a special <laughs> series of podcasts. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> is there, like, granted, I feel like I dominated a lot of this conversation, but no. is no, there that much left to say? Like, I feel like we kind of covered a lot of it. Yeah, actually, you know, it's fun we're, because we left it very, very open-ended. Like, we had yeah. ideas. Anthony and I had that idea about, like, creating, like, trivia. And that would have been, I think, a bit more fun. Mm-hmm. But I think this was more very, very um, concise, very to the point, very academic. And it, it just it felt like, dang, there's some good stuff coming out of this. Um, <laughs> and, and to be fair, if you're going to like, like uh, you dominated, I wasn't at all bothered by it. Like, I think okay. the last time you were quieter good. last time. <laughs> yeah, okay. I think so, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this time. I feel like I talked more in this one than I have in, like, any of the other episodes. I mean, like, (laughs) I have an undergrad degree in English and a master's degree in library science. I have a lot of feelings about censorship, and I know how to articulate them. And I felt like you and Anthony, really, you were were very very eloquent and everything. Oh. You just, you know. (laughs) Just wait till we get to the video game episode, because I I will have so many more feelings. I grew up in a censorship household, so I have a lot of You know, it's a little past now, but maybe next year on Talk Like a Pirate Day, we should have a special themed episode where we talk like pirates the whole episode. Does this mean I'm going to have to practice my my pirate accent, because I really don't (laughs) have one in the first place? Your Irish accent? My Irish accent. I was trying to say Irish accent. I'm like, I don't know. No. Oh. Well, dear listeners, thank you for showing up. Not that you really showed up. You're going to listen to this later, hopefully at 5 a.m. in the morning. Thank Wouldn't you it for be sticking around if we got angry emails long. from this specific podcast? Oh, God. Oh, that would be Can so we if, you, if you are angry, if you disagree with any one of us, you know, I'd actually like to know if you have a book that you think should be on our shelves. Oh. You can fill out the request form that we Ooh, keep on the desk. man. I mean... It, but or even better, other questions that come to mind is uh, came to mind is as they were everyone was talking. What's a book that made you so uncomfortable that you had to think, would I want this on my own shelf? Mm, that's because uh, there are I can think of a, a number of Native American uh, authors who wrote books that made me as a white person mm-hmm. feel uncomfortable with my own history. I mean, just because of the things that yeah. white men did it, so. to marry uh, Native American women who owned land so that they could transfer because under you know, the law at the time was that if it's a woman's land, like it might be a thousand acres of oil-filled land, but the minute the man marries her, it transfers mm-hmm. to the dominion of the man. Is that so a that's native how, law? Hmm? Was no. that a native law or a... Or a what kind of law do you think it was? Okay. Yeah. Anthony, that's exactly the exact clarify. law that you think it probably is. I just wanted is. to clarify. There was more than one law being there, there's, like there's, reading It's that. the exact yeah. culture that you think it's coming from. Of course. Of course it was. And that made me uncomfortable. But sure. at the same time, no matter how uncomfortable I was, I'm like, no, keep that on the shelf. We need to learn. Well, the number but of But then times, again, yeah. I'm a little bit more enlightened to the point where astral projection, it's, I don't even break a sweat anymore. <laughs> um, it just happens naturally. Yeah. Sometimes I meditate, levitate three feet above ground. It's great. Um, well, the word dowry makes me equally uncomfortable, but whatever. <laughs> but I think that's something, I think you kind of summed up where I would like this to go, is like, if you're going to read books that make you uncomfortable, power through, just keep going, because you might, the point is that you should learn something. You or just decided, don't read it. But yes, but if you're going to go into it with an open mind, either one, like, yes. But I think if it's making you uncomfortable because you're recognizing too much of it and how it is, 
keep going. Good. It but is worth they, it to come through to the other side. That's true. With what you were saying too, if don't read it, um, and that's a that's a fine thing. If somebody doesn't want to read anything, who are we to say what you should and should not yeah. read? Yeah. However, don't come up to the podium if you've read five pages <laughs> of a book and claim to be an expert. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I am hangry. Well, let's finish this so, up. So, so next time I'm going to, you know. Is that why this time is ending? Is no, because it, it's almost five. Oh, it is five. It's actually five and one. Oh, so nice. we both have dinner. But no, you know how to contact us. Uh, you can call us at 517-265-2265. You can email us. Grab our emails from the library website, adrian.lib.mi.us. We welcome all flames and compliments. Yes, yes, especially the flames. I think it's fun. Um, Q Scott Joplin. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> have the best time. barbecue over the yeah. flames okay. ever. Cool. Okay. And if anyone decides to come up <laughs> and bow to Grant <laughs> in oh. as our likely or I think that's a thing.